Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Conversational. My name is Julie Rain, and today I have the pleasure of having one of my very longtime friends, Susan Bratton, on as a guest. In fact, we were just discussing the fact that um, our first email correspondence, because we're both Gmail people, went back to 2008, so I guess we're celebrating our 12th year of um, friendship, which is always fun to reminisce about, and I love having people that I've known a long time as guests on the show. Susan is one of these amazing women in business and industry and just in life. She is a personal force of energy, and I, I leave every conversation with a smile, and I know you will today, too. <laughs> She's the CEO and co-founder with her husband, um, which plays a big role, so it's why we mention him. Um, his name is Tim, by the way, of Personal Life Media and The 20. Uh, through her company, Susan has authored 35 books and programs and launched a line of libido support supplements for the sexual biohacker community. I just dare anybody to top that. Love it. She is considered the dear Abby of sex. She has fresh, a fresh approach and original ideas, and they have helped millions of people of all ages and across the gender spectrum transform having sex into making love. You're going to love her story. She's been married to her husband, Tim, since 1993, but she didn't start off this way. So this is the, this is sort of the fun kind of in the Hoshimo part of her story. She is now an author, an award-winning speaker, a serial entrepreneur. She teaches passionate lovemaking techniques to her fans around the world, but she's also the chair emeritus of the Ad Tech Conference. She was both the CMO and a board member of the board of directors for Anthony Robbins Tech Startup, as well as serving on numerous other boards throughout her career. In 2009, she was honored as Silicon Valley Woman of Influence by the Business Journal and as a top 10 internet pioneer by Ad Age magazine. In 2010, she was bestowed the Lifetime Industry Achievement Award by DMG World Media. She sold over 25,000 copies of her book, Relationship Magic, as well as having achieved international number one Amazon bestseller for sexual soulmates, The Six Essentials for Connected Sex. Other books that she's put out have been The Passion Patch, 30 Romance Tricks That Work Like Magic, The Sexual Soulmate Pact, and The Soulmate Embrace. She's created and published numerous online courses, including her wildly popular Revive Her Drive, and Steamy Sex Ed DVD collection, as well as programs such as Seduction Trilogy, Expand Her Orgasm Tonight, The Multi-Orgasmic Lover for Men, Female Liquid Orgasm, and Keep Her Coming. So we've got to just love the, love the titles. Millions of couples and singles have been touched by her TV appearances and Better Lover YouTube channel through her Insiders Club newsletter at personallifemedia.com. She gives away free of charge countless mp3 audios videos articles and ebooks to nearly half a million fans each and every month this story is going to wow you she is like i said she's got a great story and um her pivot in life is something that i think we should all aspire to to be able to do someday and just love life the way she has with her partner tim susan welcome to the conversational I'm so happy to be here, Julie, and so happy we've been friends for a dozen years. It's fun to grow up in the business world together, isn't it? Especially as women in sort of ad and ad tech, it's not that it was, a you know, we were not the majority. So, and you, my friend, were a pioneer. So <laughs> Right back at you, mama. Um, you know, it was funny. I, I love hashtag Hoshimo. That is so clever. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to start 
the conversational today with my Hoshimo. I want to. Yes, please. You take it away because I don't need to ask you questions. You are, you are a pro of this on your own. Yes, please. <laughs> you can ask me anything you want, mama. But um, I was just thinking, let's get that. Let's, let's throw down the Hoshimo right the heck now. Yes, yes. So I am based in California, although I'm a Philly girl. I grew up in Philly. Uh, I moved to the West Coast pretty early on. And I had a very, very good career in internet marketing in the Silicon Valley. You know, a founder of the Internet Advertising Bureau, um, winning all those awards and getting all that recognition for being very early on in online advertising. And running the ad tech conference, knew everybody. I was flying high. My internet company went public. I was a multimillionaire. I was young, smart, beautiful, uh, kicking ass in boardrooms with MIT, Stanford, and Harvard MBAs and engineers. I had a trophy husband who was also a successful internet entrepreneur. I had a gorgeous daughter, a little, we had a little beautiful girl. We lived in a mansion on the hill in Silicon Valley overlooking Apple and Facebook. Facebook wasn't even invented yet at this particular time. I had it all going on. And I was standing at the door of my mansion, looking out at the driveway. My little girl was standing beside me, below me, with her little blankie in her hand. She had this little blankie, little soft blankie her auntie had given her that had a satin border. Mm -hmm. And my daughter loved to wipe that satin across her lips to kind of self-soothe, to calm herself down when she was upset. She would just kind of stroke the satin on her cheek and her face. Mm -hmm. And she was moving it across her face. And I was looking out at my husband, Tim. He was in our, our suburban or SUV or whatever it was with all of his stuff packed inside and he was leaving. And Taylor, our daughter, who was six at the time, she looked up at me and she looked at her dad. He was waving goodbye to her as he was about to drive out the driveway. And she said, are you still going to be my daddy? And I looked down at her and I looked at my husband and I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? You know, if you'd looked at us, we looked like we had everything going on. But but the one thing we didn't have was we had lost our intimacy Mm -hmm. in the building of our careers and the traveling. I mean, you know, I spent a month of one of those years leading up to that near divorce at the Soho Grand in Manhattan, away from my family. I had a more than full-time nanny. Um, I was living a platonic life with my husband as we were making money and building our businesses and building our careers and putting everything external, everything out, and not enough in, not enough connection. And my husband had given up on me sexually because I, I don't know. I just, I really lost interest in sex. It, it wasn't interesting. It didn't excite me. I, I, I didn't get a lot of pleasure from it. Mm-hmm. It was always great for my husband, but it wasn't great for me. It was, it started out great. One of the reasons I married him was we were good in bed together. Mm-hmm. But after 10 years of being married, married on our 11th anniversary, I had two gin martinis. And I said, 
I love you, but I don't really like you anymore. What the hell happened? And we decided to go to marriage counseling. And the first counselor said, well, you know, the sex just dies over time. It's just natural. And like, we walked out to the parking lot really? and Tim said, we're firing her. She's, <laughs> she doesn't have the answer I'm looking for. Come to find out he'd been having an affair with a woman who was also in a, in a marriage where their sex had fallen apart. And I was watching all of our friends around us getting divorced and knowing that it wasn't money mm -hmm. and it wasn't that they weren't a good match. It mm -hmm. was sex. It was too much work and not enough lovemaking. Mm -hmm. And so we said, well, don't leave. Let's mm -hmm. try and repair it. Let's figure out what we can do. And that's when we started to unpack all of the frustration and the rejection and the not getting what we wanted and what did we want. And yeah. at that time, in addition to going to a therapist, we decided that we would take some sex classes because our issue was sex. Our mm -hmm. issue was he was boring to have sex with. Yeah. And I would say that if he were sitting here in front of me, it's not a story he hasn't heard, right? I mean, what happened at the time that we decided to fix our marriage and to, to fix our sex life to fix our marriage, mm -hmm. uh, we, got, we, we read a book by Brad Blanton called Radical Honesty. And we decided to just tell each other the truth. My husband has always liked honesty. He's always liked knowing the reality. He can take any, anything. He can handle anything. And he didn't want me to withhold or to, you know, spare his ego. Mm -hmm. He wanted to know what was really going on. And so between the therapy and starting to do, to do sex workshops, which were extremely edgy and make entirely great stories all on their own, <laughs> we started to unpack what had happened and get some skills. And when we got those skills, we started having great sex. And it was like a renaissance in our relationship. And we had, every time we made love, it was better than the last time. It was way better than the early hot sex we had when we were first starting to date. And at the time, this was about 2004, 2005. I was in my early 40s. And... It was right after, you know, it was, it, was, it was a dot bomb era when there wasn't a lot of business happening in internet marketing. And we decided that we wanted to start our own company because we wanted to bring all the techniques that we had learned that saved our marriage to people online anywhere in the world who wanted to learn these skills. So we started a company together in this renaissance of our relationship called Personal Life Media, which is now, well, 15 years old this year. It'll be 15. Um, and we started creating publishing online programs, information products, expand her orgasm tonight, female liquid orgasm, seduce her tonight, the seduction trilogy, steamy sex ed video collection, revive her drive, the yep. passion patch. I mean, it's endless. We've made over 20 programs that teach how to turn having sex into making love, how to have bedroom skills that move you toward more pleasure instead of having you contract. And it was really that was the beginning where I moved from being an internet advertising person into 
an online digital direct-to-consumer publisher of passionate lovemaking techniques. And all my friends at ad tech were freaked out by it. Like, oh my God, are you doing porn? Like, you know, everybody who thinks that you're doing something in sexuality assumes it's pornography, right? Uh, and so it was, I, lo I actually lost a lot of friends, but I gained a lover, a husband, a business partner, and something that was a passion. My passion was passion. So through, you know, our greatest wounds become our greatest, our greatest gifts, right? And that was my Hoshimo moment when my little girl said, are you still going to be my daddy? That's amazing. So I have to imagine, I mean, look, you, to your point, you had established this career and, and eventually I'll go back to your childhood because I think that there's, I always think that that's sort of telling as well. And it, it, it does connect the dots at least for me, probably on, on why this ended up to be where you are and there's some sort of beautiful magic in it. But when you think about, when you think back to that therapy that saved your marriage and, and kind of built this whole new life for, for the two of you and have helped you help others, what, I imagine that there was a moment in, in that sex therapy where you were, you and your husband, you and Tim were getting therapy that there must've been something that was like, oh my God, this is what I was meant to do. Is that true? Was there like a single moment that you remember where you were going through this? Like, my God, I just, this is what I have to do. I have to do this for everybody. I can remember when people would ask me what I did, I would have to gulp like that first before I could tell them what I did. It was very hard for me to even talk about the fact that I wanted to teach people passionate lovemaking techniques. And I don't, it wasn't one-on-one. -on -one. I don't do coaching. I'm not a therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm a publisher of hot sex techniques. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people were like, well, what's it like to work with couples? I'm like, well, I, I don't. I, you know, it's audio, video, ebook, download, instant access, membership site, you know? <laughs> um, I think that the moment that I knew that it's what I wanted to do was probably the first time I had an orgasm from intercourse that really? I had learned how to do. And having, had having not had orgasms from intercourse for 11 years in a row with my husband, yeah. where I never had been able to achieve that, so sex was always great for him, intercourse was always great for him, but it wasn't great for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it was at... 45 years old, maybe, where at whatever age I was, when I finally did what I call crossing the gasm chasm, <laughs> bridging okay. the orgasm gap. You know, they call the orgasm gap how easy it is for men to have to achieve climax from orgasm and how difficult it is for women. 99% of the time men can do it, often faster than they want to. And, you know, maybe half the time, sometimes a woman might be able to if all conditions are right. That's what's called the orgasm gap. There's a TED talk on it. <laughs> and I think it was crossing the gasm, the chasm, you know, the, or the gasm chasm that was that defining moment for me that I understood that sex was a learnable skill that we aren't taught to make love where we can figure out how to procreate slot a into tab b yeah. but we don't get taught how to make love we don't get taught to have a divine sacred connection we don't get taught 
the pleasure of surrender. We don't get taught genital anatomy. We don't get taught the 15 types of orgasm that our male and female bodies can achieve. None of that is available to anyone. And that's what pissed me off, that I almost lost my fabulous husband, who I, to this day, grow more in love with him in every moment. I couldn't be happier in my marriage. And to think that I almost lost it because I didn't have the skills, mm -hmm. that pissed me off so much that I knew that I had to stand for people's pleasure and I had to grow a pair of balls and get courageous enough. And even if I had to swallow the lump in my throat to say what I was doing, I had to do it. If I have to say that, that I have a superpower, it's courage. It is courage because I, a sister, I mean, I have to imagine, you know, it's, it's to your point, it's like we're taught sex ed, not love, right? In, in, in school, you're taught sex ed. And, and mostly you're taught to be afraid of semen. You're afraid of contraception, you know, abstinent, you know, like it's all ne negative programming. Like you start off with, you never saw your parents kiss. No one ever told you about sex. If your parents tried to tell you about sex, you were like, I roll to the heavens. You didn't even want to talk right. about it with them. They didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah. And then all you do is you see, potentially, especially in today's age, you see pornography, which 96% of it, according to Time Magazine, is degrading to women. Mm -hmm. And you're like, geez, I'm coming with a big old Santa sack full of sexual baggage into this universe, you know? Yep. So how can I take that heavy load off and move you toward pleasure? Yep. It's, it's a, and I, and, but the courage to your point, going back to that, to do that, to leave this, you were such a, you know, in our little part of the universe, our little ad tech and, you know, part of the universe, which, you know, is, was a pretty powerful, large group of people, the courage to, to be one of those shining leading stars and be like, yep, I'm going to, I'm done with this. And I'm going over here to teach people how to make love. I, I mean, I really, the courage of that, knowing that people, you, you're going to have a large number of people look at you sideways, like she has lost it, you know, much less everything else. I, it's really, it's really remarkable. And if, if only people who had done that could be talking to you, and I hope they listen to this, to hear just the how happy you are and just to see, <laughs> it's like, you know, if like who doesn't want a slice of that? I don't yeah. know. Orgasms look good on a person. <laughs> <laughs> how come you look so good? Uh, I'm orgasm powered. <laughs> right. If, if it's the elixir, you don't need the oils. Right. So funny. Exactly. But, I want to go back because I think that this, I want to like, we're going in reverse, but your early years, you know, I, I always start with people's early years and where you're born and you talked about being born in Philly. And, um, you know, I, I know that you're, you're, you were born the only child. And I, I wanted you to tell your story about your parents and their relationships. And because as, as we were talking about that, how we're, we're sort of pre-programmed to think, you know, to be, look, I grew up Catholic, my God, like, like, you know, it's procreation, like close your eyes, you know, it's like you learn to be shamed kind of a little bit. And it's certainly taboo to speak about. And I grew up in a Midwestern town too. So, you know, when you go from that and you look at your parents, your point, these examples, it's hard enough, but your story, and I think in particular must have been emotionally and, and mentally just very hard to overcome. So uh, will you, will you share a little bit about your early days and your, your parents and, and what their story was? Yeah. 
Yeah, my mother and father divorced when I was three because um, he realized that he was a homosexual after they got married. I always call myself, um, oh, what's the word? Um, what's the thing that um, uh, when Mary got, uh, got pregnant with Jesus, but she didn't have sex? The magical? Yeah. yeah, 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 good. Uh, st I'm still recovering from the coronavirus. And one of the things that happens with the virus is I have a lot of neuroinflammation, which means word recall is particularly difficult for me now. So I'll use your brain as a crutch, Julie. Um, I got this one. This I got you back on. Yeah. Yes. As a good Catholic girl, you'd know all about immaculate conception. Yeah. I always <laughs> joke that I'm an immaculate conception because... Uh, my father didn't actually completely consummate the relationship yet my mother managed to get pregnant. <laughs> so I'm a, pro I'm a product of an immaculate conception. <laughs> and uh, both my parents are lovely, lovely people, lovely people. Um, and they ended up remarrying both of them. My father stayed closeted his whole life. And I uh, don't think that there's anyone who would be listening to conversational that would know my father at this point. So, um, and the world has changed. Um, of course. My mother married a man who was a sociopath. Uh, and he was a bigot, racist, wife-beating, child-abusing pedophile. <laughs> so I grew up in a household with a man who um, sexually molested me, beat me, beat my mother, etc. Um, and my mother did the best she could. I hold no remorse at all for any of my family, including my stepfather now, because I've gone through a lot of healing to understand that I had to have compassion for my aggressor because I feel worse for him than me. Look how strong I came out. I mm -hmm. always knew what he was doing was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I knew he was a horrible man. And I was in a horrible situation. And somehow I had strength to be able to stay away from him, avoid him after those first couple of times when I was molested. I told my mother she couldn't believe me. It was impossible for her to, you know, so I really just had to deal with it. We've gotten right with all of that through these years. But what had happened in my marriage was directly related to the sexual abuse that I'd suffered from a child, as mm -hmm. a child, because when I went to the second therapist, the second marriage therapist, she uncovered this abuse. And I said, oh, no, I'm over it. I'm fine. I've put all that behind me. We don't need to dig that up. She's like, oh, no, we're digging it up. Yeah. Let's open Pandora's box. And I was like, oh, man, I don't really want to, I don't really want to rehash all that. I, I've put it behind. She's like, no, you haven't put it behind you because you're losing your husband because you don't want to have sex with him. And <laughs> I said, all right, let's do it. And she really did help me unpack it, mourn for my childhood self, remember my core essential self. Um, and what happens to sexual abuse survivors often is they do something called dissociating. Mm -hmm. And dissociating is when I was having sex with my husband, I would emotionally leave. So I was there physically, but I wasn't emotionally connected to him. So if you go for a decade or more having sex with someone who you love, but you're not emotionally connected to them sexually, mm -hmm. you don't want to do it anymore. And so what happened was Tim healed me. He was the one that when he made love to me, every single time 
he started to see me leave, he pulled me back. He made me stay with him and stay present. And he loved me through the healing. And then I started to get emotionally connected. And then I started to fall in love with him. And then I, he and I had learned enough anatomy skills, orgasm techniques, pleasuring. So the safety was there, the connection was there, and the, the stimulation, the sensation that I needed to achieve orgasm from intercourse was there. Then I started to be able to have all kinds of different orgasms, and I started just busting out with orgasmic ecstasy with my husband. And I think it was just that I had to, you know, I had to really get over it and be guided through it. Yeah. And there were times when I would sob uncontrollably mm. after making love. And my husband would just never shirk away from that. He would hold me, talk to me, ground me, love mm. me, and tell me everything was okay. And all of those, all of those things that hurt me intimately, sexually, physically, emotionally, historically, they they have no power over me anymore i don't i don't work from a place of having to compensate for them anymore and so i think that it it ultimately helped me have a level of compassion for all of the trauma that people suffer and it's not just women so many men suffer from trauma as well but what i know is that our sexuality is our birthright and I don't do a lot of the kind of things that help people heal sexual trauma. I refer them out because that's a one-on-one -on -one type of thing. Mm -hmm. But I acknowledge the trauma is there and I show people what the steps are to reverse it and to come back to whole, to center, to your humanity and your connection with self and other. And I think that's, um, I couldn't do that if I hadn't gone through it myself yeah. and couples heal each other most people don't ever even seek outside support most people heal each other in their you know behind closed doors mm -hmm. and this is and what you're offering is something is the ability to do that without having to go to therapy and and just sort of self-help books if you will but done in a in a different way where you're addressing if i'm if i'm hearing you right where you're addressing that intimacy that that component of it it's not yes it's the sex but it's from everything that I've, all the conversations i've had with you you use this word intimacy which you know people think about as sort of a, you know a sexual connection and uh, yes that's a part of it but it's so much deeper than that to your point it's that emotional you know presence yeah there's friction and then there's connection mm -hmm. and they're very different that's mm -hmm. like sex is friction but mm -hmm. love making is connection mm -hmm. and surrender being willing to be vulnerable to not worry about does my butt look fat are my boobs saggy is my penis big enough right. you know whatever it might be to, to let all of that go and to connect in present moment with someone and fully love them and be connected to them and let yourself go and enjoy your pleasure those are learned skills we don't automatically know those things yeah, it's, which it's, it's just, which I find is, you know, it is a shame when you think about it and how we're taught and education, it's, it's such a big part of it. And to your point, I mean, what, given a look, and I know that you don't, I know that you aren't a, a therapist and you're not talking to couples, but you get 
emails and responses from the thousands and thousands of people who you've helped <laughs> through your books or through your products or what have you. You know, if you had to, in your sort of ad tech statistician, you know, mathematical mind, um, put a percentage on the number of failed ma- marriages that would likely be saved by being able to be more intimate, what, what would you put that percentage on? Yeah, I'd say probably about 40%. I think there's a percentage of them that are financial issue and there are a percentage that are sexuality. And then there are a percentage of them that are just shitty personalities, mean yeah. people, sociopaths, um, immaturity, um, you know, uh, wo- wo- emotional wounding that is, uh, you know, is, uh, that rots away at a relationship, incompatibility in that way. You know, so it's probably 30, 30, 30. I'd say. And usually it's a little bit of all of it. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. But it's one of those things that's interesting. You know, we just, it's, it's an easy, to your point, it's an easy solution to just say like, I'm done instead of, you know, facing some of these hard truths, which are very solvable if you're willing to do it. And I think with your story, you know, I I love the giving back, but I think with your story in particular, you know, going to this, this abuse that you suffered and I know, it wasn't much better when you went to live with your father. You talked about your mother and your stepfather and when you went to live with your your um, your father and then your stepmother there. I mean, this, like your stories were like, my God, it was was you know the fact that you <laughs> that you could have a normal relationship at all is almost astounding, and that you weren't left feeling, um, you know, kids. I think in these situations, there's so many times you hear that they're the one, they feel like they're to blame and they lose confidence and you know, you, you were kind of the opposite. I mean, will you share just a little bit? Cause I think it's worthwhile for here people to hear, uh, you know, how, how you, you know, a little bit of the other side of the story with your father, but then how you ended up leaving and how you left with your mother and how you escaped and how that, that sort of was a the light, another kind of Hoshimo moment for you. Yeah. I remember I was, when I was living with my, my stepdad and my mom, my stepdad didn't let me, um, if, I, if he walked into a room in our house and I was there, I had to avert my eyes and leave the room. At the dinner table, I wasn't allowed to look at him. I had to avert my eyes to eat the meal. One day, I, he said something particularly egregious. He was a racist creep. He mm-hmm. was the, he was the um, principal of an all-black elementary school and he would come home and talk about the niggers and the jigaboos and the jungle bunnies. These were the children that he was supposed to be protecting and educating. I I mean, even as a kid, I was disgusted by him. I hated him with every fiber in my being. (laughs) And I remember said some really nasty thing and I looked at him and I think he could see the disgust in my eyes and he punched me in the face and I thought in front of your mother in front of my mom I just got punched in the face at the dinner table in my own frigging home I have to leave and so I talked to my mom that night and I said I think I'm gonna go live with my dad I was 13 so I was gonna be 14 so I was going into high school it was a good time to make a transition and she said oh god I don't want to lose you But you have to, you know, you have to. Now, my mom had always raised me, you know, she was a real feminist and she was stuck in a life that she felt she couldn't get out of. But she 
always raised me, you're smart, you're capable, you can do anything, believe in yourself, you make good decisions, trust your gut, you've got a guiding light that is a strong flame. You know, she was just always the wind beneath my wings as a girl. And I, so I, I moved in with my stepdad and my stepmom and my stepmom, her favorite pastime was basically emotional torture. Which <laughs> is unbelievable. Like I just thought to myself, how, how did I, how come I can't catch a break here? I had to go back into the whole avoidance, you know, mechanisms of just staring clear of her and that kind of thing. Um, she was just as bad in entirely different ways. Both of them have passed on now, which is not the worst thing that could have happened to either of them. <laughs> you know, not everyone is, is born a kind hearted soul. Uh, you know, one in every 10 people is in the sociopathic category. There's a lot of them out there. So I'm sure that anyone listening might have had an experience of be, you know, being like, whoa, this person is not at all coming from a kind-hearted perspective that I do. Wow, you know, the first time you realize that not everybody's nice like you, <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely one of those pieces of maturity. So uh, I, by the time I left home and went off to college, got a full-time job, supported myself through night school. You know, I went to college at night and got my degree. Um, my 20s were the beginning of my life. My 20s were me getting to decide how I lived my life and what I wanted to do for myself. And I really came into my own when I became this, you know, publisher of passionate lovemaking techniques and learned and I've had so many mentors. I've, I've always actively sought mentors, both in business and in my career, my second career as um, whatever you want to call me. I, people call me the Dear Abby of sex or the trusted sex advisor to millions. You know, I'm a, I'm a person who gives sex advice, practical actionable sexual advice, reality-based solutions, not this is a lovely thing that you could, you know, do to, no, 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 Here, you got a problem? Let's solve it. And it was funny because you said something about um, earlier in the conversation, you said something about, you know, overcoming obstacles to your sex life. And right. One time I sent out an email to my, my fans on my email newsletter and, you know, there's I got 420,000 people who read my email every day. And I said, All right, I'm not gonna be able to get back to everybody, but email me back. What's the reason you're not having the sex you want to have? And don't make it I don't have a partner. This isn't a dating question. This is only if you have a partner or if you don't have a partner and there's an issue, why? Tell me what it is. And I got back all kinds of things, you know, mostly health issues, emotional issues, trauma issues, lack of self-worth, confidence, and betrayal. Betrayal. I was very surprised that 20 to 25% of the people who replied, they'd had their heart broken in the past and they were unable to trust anymore. And I thought, boy, there's got to be some kind of like genetic snip or some, you know, physiologic issue. There's got to be a subset of people who for some reason can't get over their past hurts. That's an interesting category. But people told me all kinds of things. You know, I have cancer. I've got this. This is my partner. Da, 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 you know, all these things, these obstacles. And as I was reading them, as they were like, chung, 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 hundreds of them coming into my inbox, right? I was reading them as fast as they were coming in. And I thought, all right, 
I could solve that. 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 I thought, Jesus, there's nothing in here. There's not one problem in here that isn't, that there's not a solution for. So then I realized what happens is people, they have a problem and they just hit a wall and they literally get stuck in the problem and they don't know how to figure out the solution. And I ended up writing a little ebook. It's called The Magic Pill Method. I wanted to, essentially, I thought, what if I had a magic wand and I could just reply to these hundreds of people and tell them how to solve their problem? And then I thought, I can't do that. So how can I help them solve their problem for themselves? You know, the teach a man to fish right. analogy. And The Magic Pill Method is a four-step technique that you use with your partner to compromise, fix, overcome, work around, modify, whatever it is that you need to do, where you sit down and you have this conversation, you talk about what it used to be like, what it's like now, what you miss, what you still could do, what you can't do anymore, what the crux of the issue is, and what the solutions might be, and then how to find those solutions, and then who's responsible for, if you've got to go out and get help, Wow! Set it, finding the person, setting the appointment, scheduling the meet like it's this step-by-step way to solve your own problem because of the hundreds of responses I got there wasn't a single one that couldn't be fixed but people give up and so this was a way that I could help them figure out their own problems the magic pill method don't you think too like you know listening to you talk about it and you and you like the way that you describe it is sort of how I tackle every problem in life not not personal or every problem right it's like okay let's break it down yeah. And it's like, okay, let's discuss it. Let's talk through it. Let's peel the onion. What is it? What's the pro? Okay. Now, what is And again, this is work. This is everything. And do you feel like, you know, this is such a different conversation than I normally have, but I think it's so great to be able to tap into so much of your expertise. I think people are going to get so much out of this. Is Do you feel that people, some people give up on it because they think when it comes to sex or making love that by breaking it down into these like fundamental, like make an appointment, let's talk the issue that it takes sort of that, it takes the romance out of it. And therefore they're like, well, that would ruin it. I don't want to do that. If it doesn't just happen, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Did you, do you get a sense or do you hear that from, from the people who, who you help? I think in the, specifically around telling people to make love making dates and put romance on the calendar they resist because they think it should be spontaneous and then i say well if it was spontaneous wouldn't you already have it <laughs> can't you can't you put something on the calendar and look forward to it and plan some fun things and talk about it coming up and then have the experience and be uh you know have it be whatever it needs to be in that moment that you need from it in that moment, whether it's today I need you to just hold me and get me a full body massage, or I want to put on lingerie and have sex on the dining room table, you know, whatever it is, um, acknowledging where you are in the moment and what your needs are and meeting them for each other, that becomes much more fun. I mean, m almost the biggest issue that anybody has in monogamous relationships is boredom. Yeah. And the solution to boredom is erotic play dates. And the erotic play dates, it's try a new position, learn a new skill, integrate, uh, you know, try a toy. The, 
the thing that most couples who are in a long-term relationship, I do a lot of primary research. I'm a survey monkey aficionado. I came out of research-backed publishing. So I've always loved research, right? You can't sell if you don't have the numbers. (laughs) And um, what couples tell me that they're the worst at is integrating lovemaking toys into their Uh, sex life. And it's like, oh my gosh, the toys in the marketplace are so amazing today. If you're not using them, that's a silly, simple little thing you can do. There's fantasy play, there's lingerie and costumes, there's different locations, there's different positions. There's always something new you can try. And for many couples, they forget the romance and the fun of lovemaking. They, they leave that behind in the, you know, when they enter the land of being platonic and raising the kids and, and it's so simple to reverse it. Yeah. It's, I love it. You, so, and I love, I love your story. I love the confidence. And I, I think, you know, I always say that the point of this, this podcast that I do is so that people can hear from others who are successful, wildly successful in your case, and know that, you know, the, path that they had is not one that was, you weren't born and thinking, this is what I'm going to do. And you encountered some of the most, you know, difficult, you know, potentially crazily life altering, holy shit moments that anybody could, could have encountered and you use them and overcame them. And actually the things that were, would normally have, I think, you know, crushed the spirit of most people, it ended up to be the thing that, you know, turned everything around for you, both professionally and personally. And I just, I just love your story as an inspiration for anybody um, who, who feels like they don't, they can't, because your story is that. And then plus the added on top, I mean, what a great conversation. And I, you know, I'm going to go get some of your books and, you know, <laughs> this is the, this is, I've known you forever, but I, you know, I'm ashamed to say I've not, I haven't bought any of your books. So I'm going to, which one do I start with, Susan? Well, first of all, you don't need to buy a thing. I'll give you everything. Um, I guess, what, where are you in your sex life and what that I, of the things that I said appealed to you the most or, or like kind of sparked you a little bit? Well, you know what? I think it's because I think, you know, look, we're middle-aged and super busy. I think the whole thing of like, you know, planning, it's like, you know, you, everybody's busy and you got the kids and the dinner and the work and you go to bed and like somebody's asleep and, you know, and it's, it's like, okay, whatever. It, so I think the whole planning component is, is like, you know, how do you actually schedule this and make it a priority? I think that's probably yeah. what resonated the most. Okay. There's three things that I'd recommend for you. Uh, the first one is uh, a collection of videos that is called the Steamy Sex Ed Video Collection. I made it for couples to watch together. It's, it's actually relatable couples demonstrating over 200 lovemaking techniques. And you can watch the videos um, with the music on, with the music off, with the narration on, with the narration off. And one of the things that I like to do is recommend that people put on their own music, put the video on your big screen TV. I've got, I actually have it in DVD. A lot of people order the DVDs, so I can send that to you if you want it. Um, or it's HD, you know, it's digital video or DVDs or both. Um, and you put on one of the videos and maybe lingam massage. Lingam is the word for a man's penis. Maybe lingam massage. And you lay your husband down and you watch what, what they're doing. 
while you're listening to music that you like and you're telling your partner's relaxing and receiving because men have difficulty learning to receive and to feel completely in their body. So having him have to do nothing while you follow along and tell him what you're doing so he can hear you because a lot of men really like auditory feedback. They like to hear the pleasure. They like to hear the stories. So that's a really fun kind of a couple's date. And there's all kinds of techniques on there. There's 40 just for lingam massage. So you're like, wow, 40 ways to play with the lingam? I had no idea. And that's just one of eight videos. So I think that's a really good one for couples that have been married for a long time. And they, and they, you know, you got to teach an old dog some new tricks now and then that's good. And then the second one is a program. One of the very first programs we created with one of my mentors, Dr. Patty Taylor, it's called expand her orgasm tonight. And in that particular program, what I like about it is that we broke down learning how to give a woman these expanded orgasmic experiences where essentially you're taking her into the moment of climax and then you're taking that moment of climax, that peak pleasure moment at the top of the climactic mountain and you're stretching time like taffy so that you actually learn how to stay and ride that orgasmic sensation. It's a very specific stroking technique that's required for a woman to be able to get into and stay in that moment of climax. Easy to learn, but what we did was we broke it down into 21 erotic play dates you could do in any order. And so for the couple that's like, wow, let's get an expanded orgasm practice, which is one of the things that helped me finally be able to have orgasms from intercourse was my husband and I began an expanded orgasm practice 15 years ago. And we've been helping couples learn it ever since. And one of the ways we found that was best was to break it down into little play dates, little mini erotic play dates. So you could be like, okay, we're going to have an erotic play date on Thursday from 7.30 to 10. And let's pick out whichever one of these 21 practices we're going to learn. And then you do that and see where it goes. So you could pick one, whatever one sounded good to you that day. Each one of them is a it's kind of like a little mini sex workshop, uh, you know, in, in one defined exercise that you do together. So that's another thing that I'd recommend. And then the third one that I'd recommend for you, Julie, is something that I created about two years ago when women were saying to me, you teach men a lot about how to run the bedroom game, how to be more masculine, how to be masculine sexual leaders, how to, how to be the man that, that, that the woman wants to have sex with, especially because long-term relationships end up being platonic. And then it's like, oh, I don't want to have sex with my best friend. That's not very hot. So I teach men how to stay hot in the bedroom and be the, be the man she wants to surrender her pleasure to. But women were like, I want to, I want to run the bedroom game. <laughs> I want to do it. What do I do? What do I need to do? And so I created a product called Ravish Him with Mass, Ravish Him with Dominance, Feminine Dominance or something like that. It's called Ravish Him, we call it. And it's um, how to give your man the most incredible sexual experience he's ever received in his lifetime because you're doing the things guys want. You're not doing what you want. You're doing what he really loves. And what that is will surprise you. And so I'll give you that one as well.
that is amazing. So I know everybody here, like the men who are listening, if they don't have, if they're not like buying this immediately to give to their wives, I would be. <laughs> so this is, I want to, I want to wrap with this because I think it's, this is exactly, I loved, I actually, I loved you giving me advice and being able to talk a little bit about what's in these. Cause I also think that it just demonstrates just the thoughtfulness and the kind of the breaking it down of, of how, you help people because it, you know, it's, it's one thing to hear about these things on a high level, but I love that you were able to give those descriptions. I think, look, I, I hope that we have thousands and thousands of people listen to this one and that, um, you know, we save many, many more marriages and, um, I'm looking forward to um, diving into the, diving into a few, few of these. They, they sounded rather, rather, rather good. So I love the 21 journeys sort of, you know, and it, the adventure component sounded amazing. So thank you. Thank you for sharing so much of your personal story, the things that have happened to you, how it's turned your life around. And thank you also for being so generous and sharing all the things that you do to help couples in this world. It's, it's amazing. You're amazing. And um, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm so, I know it's just, I don't want it to sound, you know, like it's pandering. I'm so proud of you and the things that you've done. And I admire all of the work that you've done and how you've been able to, you know, find your passion and to live it and, you know, doing well by doing good, I think is the most rewarding way we can live our lives. And you, my friend, are doing that in spades. So thank Thank you so much. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to, you know, spread the word about the possibility of people's sexual potential. Thank you. You, you're amazing. Thank you, my friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.